Welcome, everyone, to the fabulous 30th edition of the Metabilis 2 podcast. With me, Ben, who's not feeling very well. And David, who is doing all right. Excellent. Yeah, well, yes. We'll see how it goes. See how it goes. So, listen, 80s cyber people, we're not... um, This isn't our favorite era of the Cybermen, is it, David? It sure isn't, but we'll try to do it justice, or at least explain why we have... uh, take such umbrage with the 1980s Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, we will, let's just try, because they, they come back with quite a bang, actually, Earthshock. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty good tale. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got its problems, but I think we're, I'm going to try and concentrate when we discuss 80s cyber tales on the Cybermen themselves, mm-hmm. rather than on the other problems that might spin around them. And um, mm-hmm. it's a good story. It's basically aliens. That's my take on it. It's <laughs> Doctor Who trying to do aliens. They have a female hero, heroine, mm-hmm. woefully miscast, as I think we've already pointed out in this podcast. Yeah, we have touched on that. You know, uh, we have the you know we have the troopers at the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, you know everyone's kind of running around trying to shoot stuff. But the Cybermen themselves are pretty awesome, I think. It's a pretty decent redesign. It's a good reveal at the end of episode one. Absolutely. No, I mean, I mean, no one saw it coming. I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can remember when I I, mean, I watched it. I watched it when it went out live. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, first time, and I had no conception because the Cybermen had been gone for a long time. Well, let's see, they appeared in what seventy five previously. Seventy five was yeah. was Revenge, and this is eighty two, right? Earthshock. Yep, yep, March of eighty two. Yeah, so that's seven years mm-hmm. or so, and that was a long time. That's a long time right. in, in cyber years, and I guess we'd sort of forgotten they existed, you know. <laughs> Well, they fell out of fashion. There just wasn't yeah. anything that Graham Williams brought back. And it wasn't until JNT's second season that they made an appearance. Now, I, I don't have this on record, but I can imagine Bid Me not really liking the Cybermen that much. Well, he was only in there for a, a season. Yeah, but he I, I often feel he kind of set the tone for you know the early Davison years. Kind of, you know, mm. very strongly that it was... Uh, well, I mean, maybe I'm more thinking about about Nathan Turner, actually, you know, that it's it was the Cybermen were kind of old fashioned and they weren't a kind of, you know, current concept enough to kind of work as a monster. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know, because JNT brought him back in Davison's first season 19. They're back in the sixth serial. I suppose so. Yeah. So I and Eric Eric Sayward was firmly ensconced in Doctor Who by then. I mean, this is yeah. this is an Eric. This is one of his scripts. Yeah, Sayward joined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm 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 just sort of. I guess I I don't really know why they'd been gone for such a long time. Um, well, they didn't really fit. Hinchcliffe didn't want returning monsters. He got returning monsters only in the first season that Let's set up along with Bob Holmes. Right. And so he focused on original monsters and more original. Since he was doing pastiches of Hammer Horror, he was focusing in on classic type 
Hammer monsters rather than classic type Doctor Who monsters. Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. Graham Wilne comes in, and you know the economy's sinking. The pound is worth less and less every day. And then his big story arc idea was the key to time. And the Cybermen, there are hardly any monsters in the key to time arc. You know, we have Kroll, we have the Tarn Wood Beast, and we have the <laughs> was I think it's the Shrivenzal and uh, Rebos apparition. So there's we really do, we do I love the Shrivenzal. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. really not a lot of monsters. It's mostly human human like villains in the Key to Time. Yeah. And then we see the Daleks return in the following season. Yeah. And then uh, one more season, and then he's out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, okay. Let's reverse this then. How about this? Is the success of Earthshock, is that what then kind of convinced um, Saywood and Nathan Turner to kind of start really, in my, certainly in my opinion, over-egging the pudding in terms of returning monsters? I think JNT kept asking for another Earthshock. Earthshock was his big hit. Right, right. And so he kept going to Sayward saying, give me another Earthshock. And every year you see... What's going to be the other Earthshock? And I think that's why we have the Silurians and the Sea Devils returning right, and Warriors right. of the Deep. Um, right. Certainly, you get Eric Sayward's gritty, tough guy, you know, mercenaries with uh, Resurrection. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it, everything has been, or many stories in the, certainly the Sayward JNT era, is give me another Earthshock. And maybe there's a slight misunderstanding when, when I mean, Earthshock, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty well written. It's pretty well directed. Uh, I said, you know, this, I believe there's some miscasting in there, but you know, it's, it's a good story. Maybe there's some misunderstanding here that, you know, what you need to kind of, you know, get a good Doctor Who story in the can is just bring back a returning monster, give it a new costume, and then bam, you have a hit. And I'm not entirely sure that that worked. Yeah, I'm not sure that the story really works either. I've I've become less and less enchanted with it the further I get away from my teenage self. I, uh, the plot doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> but then cyberplots never do. That's true. They do attract ridiculousness. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't try. Right. So, yes. <laughs> What did you what did you think of those guard robots at the beginning? I mean, they're just a fake out, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, it's uh, as as you're pointing out, you know, the plot. As soon as you start to pick at it, you know what you realize: the whole thing is kind of geared. Certainly, that first episode is geared to fake you out that mm-hmm. the Cybermen aren't returning. Well, the thing with the thing with the robots, I thought the robots were actually a lot better sophisticated design or <laughs> a lot better put together than the Cybermen always have been. And why do Cybermen have great robotic technology, but then they're <laughs> so susceptible to but they you know, things like <laughs> like solvents and gold? They don't kind of apply like that this. to themselves. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Well, I think you know. I mean, I mean, that's completely sort of made fun of in a very effective way in the next Cyber mm-hmm. appearance, which is in the Five Doctors, where you know the Cybermen are utterly destroyed yep. by just something that's better than them. Well, this also I think is very much a product of its time because this Phil Sandifer, the writer of the TARDIS era Eruditorium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pointed out that this came out uh, two weeks, or I think episode one came out two weeks right before the Falkland War. And so he calls this uh, Doctor Who for the readers of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's very Margaret Thatcher era type, big guns, 
It's loud. It's obnoxious. There's hints of violence that just continue on through this era that gets you know worse with resurrection. And if we skip ahead right. to like Attack of the Cybermen, it gets it's full blown, just gratuitous right. violence. And I think why Earthshock has fond memories is the reveal and the combination of Adric's death. I mean, if you look at the actual acting that's in there and the the, the stunt casting that JNT did with Captain Beryl Reed, right, it, it's a disaster. You got characters in there. It is a disaster. Uh, that the scientist Kyle, uh, who comes along because mm-hmm. she's the only survivor with the soldiers, she doesn't really have a much of a role beyond that first episode right. other than just to be killed by a Cyberman. Right. Tegan, like you say, gets transformed into Sigourney Weaver and right. aliens right. with the big guns. It just Right. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't work for me. It's very 1980s um chicks with guns going against the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't kind of picked up on the on the on the Falklands thing. That's Interesting. I mean, I guess. Hmm. I mean, I'm. I'm not entirely sure Sandifer's right about that because it would have to be like Doctor Who is, like anticipating the Falklands War. Well, the, I think it's anticipating the Thatcher or or responding to the ouvre uh, of the Thatcher era. Right, right, right. The kind of big, bold '80s and kind of Murdoch-based, Sun-based tabloid journalism, which is brash and very aggressive and militaristic. And I think that's why we liked it, actually, because what was because you know we we'd come out of a very anodyne series of Mm -hmm. well a black orchid again you know like uh, (laughs) uh, let's i'm just i'm just kind of spinning backwards through the davidson era you know it started out we have the gem of kinda but but i'll have to say you know at the time you know kids like me who were watching who like we we hated kinda well right absolutely hated it like I said, I liked it initially when I saw it, and I was a teenager when yeah. I saw Earthshock. But for me, as my taste in drama matured, uh-huh. it just hasn't held up. And But the other things I saw as a teenager, such as the Hinchcliffe era, even, even you know, look at things that have really gone down in general – praise such as uh, towns of wang chiang i still find a good story it's right. still well put together yeah yeah and i re- enjoyed the heck out of it when i first saw it but yeah the the, the stuff of the sayward era i can point to i can point to the visitation i can i can watch the visitation again but right in this season 19 Earthshock is not my go-to story. I mean, I'd, I think I'd rather watch almost anything other than maybe Time Flight and Black Orchid. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And, and I, again, again, I've just said, you know, it's it's been a while since I watched Earthshock mm-hmm. again um, because it, it it isn't a go-to. It, it, it isn't one that I go to the shelf and pull down. The best thing for me about Earthshock is this begins the quartet of David Banks as the cyber leader. And... I think he his voice is what cemented 
the <laughs> Cybermen for me of the 1980s. And I really like David Banks, the actor, right. as the cyber leader. And he's in every single one in the 1980s. So, and he, I mean, he liked Cybermen so much, he went on and wrote, wrote a book, book about him. Late, yeah, exactly. Late, late 80s and trying to put together or piece together his version of how all the stories fit together with con- in continuity. And it's um, the book I don't highly recommend, but I do really appreciate and really um, like david banks portrayal of the cyber leader yes exactly it's 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 how we um i mean the performance is so strong it it's it's kind of cements how we just kind of understand cybermen to be now um mm-hmm. it's kind of hard and one couldn't imagine kind of going back to the uh um in inverted commas kind of new emotionless kind mm-hmm. of logic logic monsters of the 60s right. uh you know the cybermen and you know, I mean, one could say, okay, they were turned into kind of villain of the week and, they, you know, they're just as, you know, uh, flaky and mm-hmm. uh, in some ways uninteresting as, you know, every other 80s villain is. But it is leavened by the fact that, you know, that Banks really does a good job. He owns, you know, he owns that role. Absolutely. 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 Uh, moving swiftly on, are we ready to move on? Yeah, I think that's... We've, what I have to say on the... I think it's all I have to say as well. Davison initial meeting with the Cybermen. Um, and then we come on to we come on to Five Doctors, which, again, I think the, the Cybermen are really great in this. One of the reasons I like them in, in Five Doctors is it actually reminds me of Revenge. You know, it's a small kind of cyber squad. Um, yeah. They're on a mission or something, mm-hmm. or whatever Cybermen do. They're kind of huddling together, and they're working out what they're going to do, and, like, David Banks says excellent a lot. <laughs> oh, he has I mean, one of my all-time favorite Cyberman lines is uh, when he's when the master is negotiating to kind of work with him, a temporary ally with him. The the second you know second in command Cyberman is going. Oh, how, why, why do we trust them? And <laughs> the uh, David Banks as uh, Cyber Labor goes. Uh, Promises to aliens have no validity. When the tower is in our hands, he will be destroyed and he you know he he makes a silver fist he makes a fist when he goes destroyed and it's just silver that, fist yeah. exactly yeah yeah wasn't i wasn't wasn't that the name of david banks's like publishing arm was it wasn't it called silver fist i think it was actually i'm just gonna, i don't know i'm just gonna google that right now um i'm pretty sure um okay. Uh, well, apparently it's a Spanish thrash metal speed band founded in 2002. Ooh, well, uh, it's probably an homage to the Cybermen. Uh, let, let's <laughs> let's hope that it was. No, and and again, and then they just get utterly creamed. Yeah. By um by the Raston Warrior Robot, which is well by Terence by Terence Dix exactly exactly <laughs> complete distaste of the Cybermen, <laughs> which is such a kind of you know kind of two th- two fingers up to um. Uh, to Eric, s- Sayward. To Eric Sayward it's like okay you like these things you made me put them in them I don't like them they're all dead <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and you got a super simple design it's just a, it's a, it's, I am imagining it's a dancer yeah. in a, in a bodysuit leotard with kind of a silver uh, mask on it's on his head and he just does leaps and then you know, roll roll the camera backwards so you have spears coming out of its arms, and <laughs> the Cybermen just kind of sit there, dumbfounded, <laughs> getting slaughtered. Get absolutely slaughtered, and it's it's and it's it's kind of silly because it does. Uh, what's I mean? I'm sure there's kind of a technical term for it, but it's it's kind of um. 
You know, you have to be very, very careful with science fiction because if you can mm-hmm. do anything, and actually, right. you know, as we know, Doctor Who kind of barely, in some ways, kind of barely, uh, barely counts as science fiction. But if you can do mm-hmm. anything, then just make sure that you don't do anything because. Yes, of course, you can invent uh, some other villain that can completely eradicate an existing villain. Right. So just be careful when you do that, because it makes it starts to make everything look a little bit stupid. And the Cybermen certainly do look stupid. And a little bit later, the surviving Cybermen, <laughs> after an encounter with the Raston warrior robot, go on this checkerboard or chessboard inside the tower where the master kind of leaps randomly, saying as easy as pie, and then they go on. <laughs> yep. They go on the board and they get all electrified. Yep. And they're just not the sharpest, the sharpest <laughs> villains. The sharpest yeah. villains. No, I mean, they're great. I mean, and they make a good. You needed some kind of mobile threat in the death zone on Gallifrey. Yeah. The Cybermen work really well. The scene earlier with the Dalek, where they're inside this, in kind of a Dalek esque city. Um, type corridor system where Herndell and uh, Caroline Ford, Caroline Ford meet up. It just the Dalek doesn't work at all in the Death Zone, and I mean the excuse is they're too efficient or they're too effective, and you <laughs> you go, no, they're not. No, they they're can't not. even they're, move. They're Dalek. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I you know, one suspects the reason why they're not you know in the Death Zone is because like how on earth are you going to get them to work outside um, on the right. you know the wild and windy moors of Snowdonia or wherever the hell we are? <laughs> you know, the, the Daleks are just yeah. Um, yes, I mean, and and I think you know the Cybermen, are, they're they're great. You know, they they do that Dalek duty. You know, they are mm-hmm. the titular main villains. Right. Um, or main opposition in the death zone because right. you know they're mobile they can walk around um unlike daleks and you know obviously they can get completely and utterly destroyed because that's what the villain of the week always does get always, and this is what does happen to them mm-hmm. and this is our one on-screen interaction with pertwee and the cyberman oh, that's true exactly and he does it doesn't really come up to uh he's, he's not speaking with them there he and sarah jane are scuttling around a rock face to avoid them but even Terrence Dix couldn't find a way of having <laughs> Pertwee interact with the Cybermen so no. in in a, in a way uh, Pertwee is pure he is he is well he's a he's a bit of a silver fist himself with all that all that silver mm-hmm. hair so there you go so yeah, so yeah, good. I mean, good cyber, good cyber. Uh, they, they they give they give good mm-hmm. they give good cyber in yeah. this story. Um, like you said, they are the monster of the week. It's not really a Cyberman story. It's an anniversary story, but yep. they fill their role well. They do a excellent job. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and one could imagine maybe it could have been Sontarans instead. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. Uh, obviously, we had a bunch of Cyberman costumes kicking around um that we'd used a bit earlier right. for just uh, yeah just from Earthshock. exactly yeah. so it makes complete sense makes complete sense mm-hmm. um unlike of course the next appearance of the cybermen which oh makes... we probably have the most continuity heavy story of all time oh. with the attack of the cybermen and it is an utter disaster Really is, um, and uh, you know, again, when, when in thinking about these, I tried to, uh, what's the word, uh, concentrate on the topic that we've set ourselves, which is the mm-hmm. Cybermen, rather than you know the story. But here, you really can't even. It's 
you know, I mean, and they look good. I like the kind of black assassin Cyberman that is, you know, in the sewers. Mm-hmm. But the, mm-hmm. it's, it's, oh dear, it's the whole. There's so much, I mean, you have Cybermen in the sewers. So we have a callback to the invasion. We do. We have the cyber controller with Michael Kilgariff. So we have this callback to Tomb of the Tomb Cybermen. Tomb of exactly. Uh, we have... The comet coming, the Halley's Comet. So we have a call back to the Tenth Planet. Absolutely. And oh, and we have the return of Maurice Colburn as Lytton. So we have a call back to Resurrection of the Dalek. Right. With the the Doctor lands on Totter's Lane. So we have a call back to the Unearthly Child, and none of it works. Yep. I did force myself to watch this, just because. I was going, okay, I, I really want to like this. I like Cybermen. I like I like David Banks. Once again, he does an excellent job as cyber leader, but it's so hard to like. And the Cybermen on Telos... Oh, very unlikable. The Cybermen that are on Telos are so impotent. They're, I mean, they're being beheaded and ambushed, and they're... they're wimps yeah they're they're only in charge because they have the guns yeah they don't really kind of earn their our kind of concern about them basically Mm -hmm. it's like well why are we worried about these creatures they're they're just kind of wandering about and and again you know this kind of cold callback thing you know where you know the we've kind of directly uh, invited to imagine that the Cybermen in the sewers have been there, you know, since the invasion in the in the sixties, and obviously keeping up with the fashions, you know. Uh, but of course, just like as that's absolutely just like impossible. as Totter's Lane, yeah, exactly, because they they look completely different. Right. Similarly, you know, the Cybermen on Telos look completely different from what right. how they and, used and to look that, on Telos, you know, and it just. I mean, it, it doesn't make oh. any sense, and the idea. Well, and he, the tombs, the tombs look absolutely nothing like the tombs of the tombs of the Cybermen. Exactly, and then you know you get Michael Kilgariff back. You know he's a good actor, mm-hmm. but great voice. But he's not the same cyber leader. He looks, and it's not cyber. the same voice even. No, exactly, and he's certainly has a different physique. Um, <laughs> and and the whole and the, and again, what's frustrating for me is that you know these are these are parts played by people in a full mask. So it doesn't actually matter that it's the same actor. It's, no. it's the whole thing is just is really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid, yeah. And then, I mean, the supporting cast is decent. We have Terry Malloy as Russell. We do. Is this Terry Malloy's only unmasked role in Doctor? I think Who? it is his only unmasked role in so, Doctor. I mean, he does a good job as Russell. I really like the character of Lytton. I mean, if there's that's one character that Eric Sayward added to Doctor Who that I really like, and he wastes him. Yeah, he kills him off. Yeah, Brian Glover as Griffiths. <laughs> Whenever I see him, I think of uh, Campion, uh, what Peter Davison went on to play, but his valet valet was uh, <laughs> Brian Glover. <laughs> Brian Glover as Lug, but I. I mean, Brian Glover, is he's good for the role. He's typecast, but he's good for the role. Brian Glover, at that time, and you know, sadly, he's left us now, Brian Glover was one of the best actors in Britain. Right. I mean, Brian Glover was, a, was, a, was an important actor, especially mm-hmm. on the stage. 
and uh, you know his kind of reinterpretations of Shakespeare mm-hmm. uh, in a kind of you know using using a northern using northern dialect. I mean, he was a very very important figure in in British theatre in the eighties. Okay, quite what he was doing, you know, in Attack of the Cyber. So quite what he well, was, he's typecast. Who, who knows? He's, he's... Right and and you know he's completely wasted because he's a really good right. he's a really good actor. Right. Similarly, I mean, talking other ways, you have Esther Freud, um, the novelist oh. and granddaughter yes. or great granddaughter, whatever, of Sigmund Freud, um, the psychoanalyst, daughter of uh, of Lucian, uh, one of the many many daughters of, of Lucian Freud, <laughs> Sarah Green, who was a Blue Peter presenter, right, and then Faith Brown, who was a, a not very good, but you know, again, very well known at that point as a female impressionist. Um, very, very distinctive female actors or celebrities. All wasted on the cryons, all masked, so you wouldn't even know who they are. So you don't even know which one is which. It's Still don't. Still don't, exactly. And Sarah <laughs> Green, I mean, everyone had a crush on Sarah Green. She was awesome. But again, which one's she? No one knows. She's got a bloody no red mask on. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is awful. <laughs> And we we have the you know the gritty tough guys there with the two uh, half cybernized uh, slaves on Telos. They're digging that go and behead Cybermen, and they they die the same way at the beginning of the tomb. One touches the electrified door, so he gets shocked. The door opens, and the Cybermen guns them down. And um, yes, it's bleak, and it's what Eric Sayward likes, but. It just the plot, the subplot didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It just. Yeah. Oh, uh, the okay. I mean, I guess the common knock is okay. The doctor uses a gun and whatnot. It's just like there are so many other things wrong with this story that that's the least concerning bit. Yeah. It's 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 really. I mean, it's the kind of nadir of the kind of Eric Sawood mess plot mm-hmm. thing, you know, a uh, mess plot thing. Yes, I'm going to describe it as a mess plot thing because that's that's <laughs> as that's as inarticulate as as this particular story is as well. Um I have not rewatched this recently because this is one of the I think four or five Doctor Who stories that I do not own on DVD and I am ashamed to say and I should really be on a podcast about Doctor Who if I haven't if I don't earn them all but I really just can't bring myself to buy it I mean I will eventually but it's just because I know I won't watch it because I hate it so much so it's like well why am I going to buy it So, but I will I will eventually but anyway well, yeah. yeah the yeah. completionist in myself got, went and yeah exactly got it, you know, As, I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of uh, much of 80s Doctor Who. In fact, I hadn't bought a single 80s Doctor Who until they started going on out, out of print in Region 1. Right. And then I did a huge, massive, expensive buy yeah. and was able to secure everything. But it's just sort of like, oh, man, I was procrastinating and procrastinating on this. And it wasn't until they were going out of print that yeah, I said, yeah. No, I, 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 again, this will be very much kind of a bite the bullet time with me with, mm-hmm. you know, I'll have to get this one and a couple of others that I won't mention that I also don't mm-hmm. own. But it's, yeah, it's, this is a killer. It really is a killer. And also, again, it's, it's the two episode structure, again, is something mm-hmm. I'm so against. It just doesn't give these kind of stories enough space to breathe. Uh, and it's, you know, then the, it's re-edited back down to like, 25 minutes and that doesn't work either the whole thing is just a mess it just doesn't work no no sorry cybermen you fail it's a cyber fail (laughs) 
Um, and well, shall we move on to their last story of the 1980s? Moving swiftly on. The anniversary special, Silver Nemesis. Silver Nemesis, yes, 25. <sighs> 25 years of Doctor oh. Who, marked by a silver story, i.e. silver, it's silver anniversary. And we got two competing things going on here. We have the writer, Kevin Clark, who, by his own admission was having McCoy try to be God, or that's what they were dancing the around, hinting that right. that the Doctor is actually God, and it's sort of like, okay. And Clark himself comes off as very smug in the DVD uh, making of on this right, story. Right, it's, right, And so I think that filters into the script. But as an actual Cyberman story, it's not quite the hot mess that... Uh, attack of the Cybermen is and it trundles along at a fairly decent clip for the first two episodes right and it isn't until the final episode when we add the American heiress actress and we're trying to tie everything up does it really, the wheel, really? Fall yeah, the apart. wheels really start to come off. Um, yeah. I mean, this. I mean, I think as everyone said, there's just just too much going on in this. Mm-hmm. Too many threads to weave together. Yeah, I mean, too many characters, too many threads, too much stuff, too much stuff that we don't actually care about that much. Mm-hmm. I think if you lost the Lady Penafor angle, I think you would have been okay. I think it would have been fine to have the Nazis and the Cybermen. Right. Um, and, uh, Anton Diffring is a you know really good. <laughs> I mean, really good at what he does. He's, he's, he, to... he gives great Nazi certainly. <laughs> yep. Yes, yep, absolutely. Um, so with, with, it... okay, see, okay, this 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 is funny because I was about to say the exact opposite is that if we only had lost the Nazi thing, <laughs> then this would have been fine. Basically, we needed to lose one of these two plot elements, and one then of, it would yeah, be good. one of the threads. One of the threads. <sighs> yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. and then ah, uh, and it, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Cybermen themselves. I mean, you know, they equip themselves. That they, they look good. Um, they're super yep. shiny. The yeah, the they uh, silver plated their helmets and they kind of blackened up their air suits. They look good. I mean, it. Uh, I prefer. I think the Earthshock look, but you know, yep. once again, David Banks does a nice job as Cyber Leader. He does an excellent job. Yep, 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 yep. Um, things that irritate me, you know, it's the usual, it, this is supposed to take place in the wintertime, I believe, but it's really obviously the summertime. Okay. Um, uh, you know, uh, the whole kind of jazz thing is kind of completely overplayed, I guess, because mm. they were able to get Courtney Pine because he's a Doctor Who fan. But just mm. because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. See, I didn't mind the jazz bit at all. I mean, I thought it was... At least they used it more than just a cameo. They used his jazz to block the cyber transmission. It tied in. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big jazz fan, so, I mean, that's kind oh, of, you know. Okay. See, I, I, I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, as far as I remember, you know, there was an attempt to try and get the royal family involved. with, oh, you know, Which, yes, again, but right. then, you know, they don't drop that when it fails, you know. So, right. And so they have an actress playing the queen. Yeah, I think it was. I think I think it was about the same time. The royal family were kind of having one of their regular kind of you know meltdown, freak out. We're not popular enough. Uh, I think Princess Anne and Prince Edward had headed up. Um, it's a royal knockout, which was like a kind of game mm. show, but involving the royal family. So I think everyone thought that they <laughs> okay. that they would have been up for it. 
but I it, unfortunately I think its royal knockout was a complete disaster. Um, <laughs> Not so, surprisingly. Yeah, you know it's 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 a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even when they kind of recut it for um, DVD, it's still a mess. Well, the last two are by far the they weakest are. of the two stories. But on the rewatch, the first two episodes work well enough. It isn't until. Uh, we wind down in episode three. It just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. The writer, writer really didn't have any idea other than what he did in the pitch meeting with JNT. Yeah. I, I think actually the way you describe it as a, as a pitch meeting, I think is very good. It really does, when you watch it, it is like a succession of pitches. It's like a succession of mm-hmm. ideas of plots that could happen in Doctor Who involving Cybermen and other things. <laughs> but there's very, very little attempt to actually expand those plots into something that makes sense or something that you'd want to watch on TV. Um, it's kind mm-hmm. of... And, and and then there's Nazis. And then there's Elizabethans from Elizabethan times. And then there's the Queen. And then there's some American woman who turns up for a reason. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Hey? <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you add in the whole bit of the living metal sculpture created by Rassilon as the defense of Gallifrey, and it's just ah! it's 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 like extended kind of fan fiction. It's just ridiculous. It's fan wank. Yep. Yeah, and again, the budget doesn't run to it. And again, you know, the mm-hmm. just because Anton Differing is standing by a river and there's like kind of gibbon sounds playing over the back of him doesn't mean that it looks like he's in South America. It looks like he's... Well, they had a parrot. It looks like he's just standing by a river, which is probably the Thames, because, you know, that's why they filmed it. You know, it's just the whole thing is is kind of nuts. I mean, and nuts are not in a good way, actually. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's kind of the boys from Brazil meets, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Well, you you know what they're going for. They just can't pull it off. No. And... I think Sophie Aldred does a great yeah. job. I think Sylvester McCoy does a decent job. David Banks again does, does a, good a good job. job. Too much. There's much. There's uh, too much. I mean, as as we've both pointed out, either get rid of the Nazis or get rid of the Elizabethans. <laughs> yeah. Pick which one you want Just to go pick for. One. Develop that yep. one and move, move on. on. Exactly. So, I mean, I think in summary. The 80s were not the best time for the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. They became something that they really. I mean, they did become the kind of go-to villains of the week in a way that really didn't serve them that well. There was, I don't think there was any story that really, I think as some of the earlier cyber stories tried to do, really kind of like, okay, what are they about? Just compare the four Troughton cyber stories to the four 80s cyber stories, and they just fall fall short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's true of... I'm afraid to say pretty much all of the returning villain stories of the 80s. Again, when I watch the the Cybermen prancing about, um, you know, in their flight suits, shaking their silver <laughs> fists at, at each other, I am always sadly reminded of how badly handled the Sontarans were in the in in the, in the mm. two Doctors. You know, where they become. Mm-hmm. Very tall for reasons that are not fully explained, and mm-hmm. have ill-fitting costumes. I mean, it's similar. It's just a lack mm-hmm. of attention to detail. Well, I think returning cast members and returning monsters under the tutelage of JNT or under the oversight of JNT didn't work, and the bad sign started with Jacqueline Hill's return yeah. in Megalos. Ah, that's true. And that's true. 
And that was one of JNT's first outings as right. a producer. And I think where JNT stories are stronger is when they try to do something original. So if you even look look at series eighteen, eSpace, interesting concept. That's works pretty well. Um, the watcher that they had for the regeneration of Tom Baker's fourth doctor, that works mm-hmm, fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at some of the monsters that they introduced in season 19. So you have the Mara with in Kinda. That works pretty well. You have the Terraleptals in the Visitation. You know, they're kind of naff, but they work okay. Yeah. But then we start slipping into what did Barry Letts do with the Master. So we have the Master appearing. Yeah, in, yeah. And stories that make no sense at all. So, you know, we get things like time flight. I think it's an object lesson in that any drama, and I think particularly complex to make drama like Doctor Who, and I mean complex to make, you know, there's a lot of effects, there's a lot of costumes. It's difficult to do it. But any drama, it's not paint by numbers. You can't just assemble a bunch of pieces and put them all together and go, okay, look, here's a story. You know, you can't just, okay, just because the Cybermen have come back, it's going to be awesome. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's just because here are some Silurians, everyone's going to love it. Um, and I think this mm-hmm. is really hands it to, to New Who. Um, I mean, I think in some ways they've kind of, they've, some stories they've taken their eyes off the ball. But I think the level of care mm-hmm. that Russell T. Davis applied to New Who, especially when bringing back returning monsters shows how difficult it is it's and and i think the problem with the 80s is i think there was an idea that bring back an old monster that's an easy way to have a hit Mm -hmm. and actually that's the hardest way to have a hit absolutely Mm -hmm. the hardest way right yeah i think that we see some of the similar problems that we see with the monster returns in the 80s that we see with some of the like mark gaddis monster returns like with the ice warriors or Chibnall's return with the Silurians. Yep, yep. I think RTD was very careful on the way that the Daleks were reintroduced so they weren't seen as silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, RTD, you know, I think the more one compares his reign on who with everyone else's, the more you realize, you know, how much care and thought mm-hmm. was put into... You know, he, he, he applied, you know, he's a very modest man in many ways. And he knew when to go. <laughs> very, very self-effacing. Um, you know, always, you know, telling everyone, you know, he wrote stuff at the last minute and it was, you know, he always had writer's mm-hmm. block and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, the, a lot of that, I think, is just him just being modest. Mm-hmm. And yes, and definitely he knew when to go. Yeah. But, you know, all the good he did, he did have his own clunkers with Cybermen. That so. is true. That is true. <laughs> they they are hard to yeah, write the, for, I think, and write for well. Uh, he, he did. But, I mean, I think, again, you know, the, just the level of thought that went into reconstructing Cybermen as being, okay, they've always been from an alternate reality of some mm-hmm. kind. Well, let's actually make them from an alternate reality. Yes. His first outing, his first outing, I think, was very yeah. good. The it wasn't until we had the Christmas special with uh, 
the Cyber King did. Cyber King, yes, yep. Where we have the Cybermen just to have the Cybermen, and then we go crazy. The the week. And we have yep. the Transformer. Yep. Yep. So the Cybermen have to be brought back carefully, and it's not the 1960s anymore. They can't appear every season. No, 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 no. exactly, exactly. Well, there we go. Cyber, yeah. cyber, cybermen. We've now done. We made it through the eighties. I know we haven't been uh, looking forward no, to this been, one. I've been procrastinating on this one we've for been weeks. Dreading, <laughs> dreading this one. <laughs> so, I was just wondering, since we both ordered it, Warp Warp issue three. Oh, yes, so excited about Warp Warp. Oh my god. So what what are you looking forward to? I can tell you, I I was really sucked in with uh, Adrian Salmon's cover of the cyber do you have the pre- do you have the two previous vault forps no i don't oh my goodness well they are brilliant i mean connell colin brockhurst and uh gareth Kavanagh are the kind of eminence greases behind vault forp um they're both absolute geniuses uh, i think i think uh, gareth uh, is kind of provides the impetus for most of the writing uh, colin the impetus mm-hmm. for most of the design element but just wonderful. I mean, for the previous Warp Warp, um, they got Adrian Salmon to kind of do a new set of Weetabix cards, for instance. I mean, mm-hmm. they know the... Well, the issue issue one cover is fantastic oh, where it's... they're going... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> as if the comic strip was... Uh, the Doctor Who magazine comic strip was actually a serial with the... Uh, I can't remember the monster's name. But yeah, from... Tom Baker. Yeah, from whatever that one was called with, with the Romans that Pat Mills wrote. Mm-hmm. No, Joe, Joe, John Wagner wrote it. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's so exciting. Um, it's just the greatest fanzine ever produced basically and they've got like a they've got an interview with alan moore yeah well that was enough to buy it absolutely (laughs) i mean i don't think alan well actually i mean he hasn't he hasn't really talked about his stint on doctor who Mm -hmm. i mean he's well known for saying that um he's only the only doctor he likes is 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 william hartnell and (laughs) the rest i think i can't remember what the exact quote is is like a varying degrees of flamboyant child molesters it's, it's his analysis of all the other doctors, but that's just Alan Moore, you know, being Alan Moore. Well, it'll be uh, very interesting to read his take. Absolutely, yeah, and and they've got uh, they've got some great artists involved. There's an audio uh, play involving Daleks. Oh yeah, I listened to the sample of that, and that that was also very yeah. intriguing. Yeah, and the Mechanical Planet. Mm-hmm. I follow Warp Warp on Facebook, and I'm also you know um, uh, Facebook friends with 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 Brocklehurst and Kavanaugh. So, yeah, no, highly, highly recommended. Go out and buy yourself 10 copies. Looking forward to it. And it's a double issue. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, other, the other fanzine that I really, really enjoy is Nothing at the End of the Lane, which, again, oh, yes. is something that's Richard always, Bignos, yeah. always worth waiting for. And I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's a level of care um, that you get with a fanzine, and I think you can get nowadays with, you know, obviously the kind of production values uh, that just makes it just a really, really exciting, really exciting right. publication. Right. Yeah, so... Good. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to in March, I think, yep. is when they're yep. going to be printing those and sending them out. So exciting, exciting times for fans of a of one particular Doctor Who fanzine. <laughs> um, anyway, there we go. Well, check it out. Warp Warp Co. UK. Check it out. Warp Warp. Exactly. Recommend it highly. Um. So I think uh, we've come to the end of another of another podcast. Yeah. Wrap it up. Well, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, I will be returned to full health in a week's time um, when we will embark on the the fourth decade of our podcast with uh, number 31 do I mean fourth decade (laughs) yes I do mean fourth decade I was thinking uh, maybe we should talk about uh, the power of the Dalek animation 
what a good opportunity to do that. Let's definitely, let's definitely do that. Excellent. Looking forward to it. All right. Okay. So until then, you've been listening to episode 30 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. I've been David. And I have been Ben. And thanks for listening. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number 2, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number 2. Hope to hear from you. Bye. Promises to aliens have no validity. When the tower is in our hands, it will be destroyed.